Welcome to Momfessions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood. I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Momfessions, a Fort Worth Moms production. Episode 26, Dismantling Racism Through Intentional Parenting. I'm going to jump off the deep end here with you and just ask you, um, you know, you don't have black children, mm-hmm. but you have what people would call quote-unquote mixed children mm-hmm. um, because your husband is a different ethnic ethnicity mm-hmm. um, than you. Yeah. So I just want to know what are all the things, you know, particularly as a mom that is going on in your heart and mind as we're yeah. rightfully so being forced to think through this. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right in that we should be forced to think through this. And one of the things that's really um, that's really been heavy on me during this time is this recognition that as a white woman in America, that I can step away from it and pretend like it doesn't exist because of the makeup of my family, mm-hmm. because of how I was raised, even because of the community that I live in currently. I don't like that. I don't like that I have the ability to Mm -hmm. do that because on some level, and, you know, we've talked about Enneagram stuff before, but um, I'm a nine, which means I avoid conflict at all cost. Mm -hmm. Um, And on some level, there is a part of me that's like, I just want to shut myself in my house and pretend like the world is not burning down right now. But I can't do that. I can't look in... um, other human beings eyes and pretend like this isn't happening. There have been a few times as a mom of children who are ethnically diverse um, that we have encountered racism. My husband is Asian. Specifically, he is um, Thai, Chinese, Portuguese, and Latvian. He gets a lot of the questions of well, where are you from? And he's like, I was born in the U.S. You know, like things like that where it's like, I just, okay. Um, But we have had comments made regarding my children being Asian that have been honestly offensive. And usually they're made in jest and not out of a place of um, hatred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even that, and my husband and I discussed that last night, you know, as we're, I mean, daily having these discussions where we're analyzing our own hearts and our own thoughts on these things. And um, that specific thing came up that we've had these people make comments and recognizing that we have always approached his ethnicity with kind of a sense of humor and joked about it. And realizing that that has kind of opened the door to let people feel like it's okay. Right. Yeah. And recognizing that for us, like, we need to be mindful of that mm-hmm. because we don't want our children to feel like... No, it's not a joke. They're a joke. No. You know? Mm-mm. 
And um, so even that was just kind of eye-opening of like, we need to approach our diversity in our own home with honor and with celebration and, you know, do that in, in a variety of ways, but to be cautious of our own speech, even about, you know, who my husband is, so that we are projecting that out into the world, that this is something that is, you know, we're going to honor, we're going to celebrate that we're different. Um, rather than make jokes about it. You are raising two black daughters. Right, yeah. As an adoptive mom and as a mom who has a mixed-race family, um, you experience a lot of um, pushback for that. Um, And I wonder if you would talk about that a little bit, about being a mom of black children today. I don't, I'm just going to say it, and, and here goes, that all of the horrible um, things that have happened to, um, you know, the, the, the most recent victims, um, you know, Ahmaud and George Floyd and Brianna, and, you know, and I, I don't know if, if it's the pandemic that is part of that, but it's there's something that feels different about it. I don't know what the magic, you know, formula has been. Um, like, you know, any time that I hear of people being um, mistreated in any form because of the color of their skin, like, shatters me on the inside. Um, you know, but the deaths... Or it's even worse, you know. It, I think it makes fear come in my heart, mm-hmm. you know. But what horribly happened to George Floyd isn't new. Rodney King was a long time ago, but uh, I know I can't articulate what I feel is different about this time because. I don't have an additional sense of urgency or an extra layer of revelation because I have already been living this for 10 years of being a mother to a black child. I fully admit that I am a white woman that didn't have to give it a second thought until suddenly I was in love with my black child. And I remember the exact moment in the adoption agency when we were going through training that I first became aware, like my very first inkling that like that systemic and systematic racism was alive and well. And it was over this quiz the adoption agency gave us for us to identify if we had ever suffered like racism or, you know, colorism, like, you know, like the whole gamut. And it was like the first time my eyes were ever opened. And I admit that that is a huge privilege. I was able to live 30 years of my life and not have to have thoughts about if the crayon box 
had my skin color, if the Barbie doll was in my skin color, like these these very small things all the way up to the fact that, you know, I can I can go jog in my park and, you know, aside from being a woman and all those things that come with that, I never feared for my life or feared of not getting a job or feared of being mistreated in school or whatever because my skin was pale. I was talking with one of my friends um, who is black, and she and I were both kind of saying there something feels different. We can't put our finger on it, but it feels different. And then at the same time, we also, like I have had more white friends reach out to me this time to ask me questions, um, to ask me really uncomfortable questions. And they were uncomfortable questions for them. It felt very uneasy for them to ask. And that has not happened before, after there, you know, was a news story revealing that someone else was killed because of their race. Um, But she and I both kind of were feeling like, have, have your heads been in the sand this whole time? Like, mm-hmm. like we're having to talk about it quite a bit with people who it is the first time that they're seeing it. And there is a lot of really great hope in that. Mm-hmm. But there's just, I'm just going to say it, it's also like, it feels a little like a punch in the gut. Like, you know, all these years, you you know, like, I've said these things, but you've not believed me. You know, I'm glad you believe me now. But that's another grief that I'm having to walk through, even some with my of my closest friends. But I want us to have those conversations because that's where I want the world to go because I have black children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. want their future to be better. This episode is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms, an online parenting resource to encourage and inspire moms in North Texas and all over the world. So how are you talking to your kids about what's happening right now? Um, I actually didn't tell my children anything about it until maybe two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So this would be, like if you're listening, this is like well way into, you know, all of the discussion. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's because I have a kiddo who really struggles with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, I don't need to talk to my kids about this because I don't need to raise their awareness any more than they already have mm-hmm. that dark skin means you could be treated, like, not just differently, but aggressively right? We've already long ago had those conversations, right? This isn't something new for them. And because they are children and one struggles with anxiety, we are not going into great detail about what happened to George Floyd and others and others and others. I did because honestly, because I was, I was afraid that my family members were going to mention it in front of her. Mm -hmm. I went ahead and um, kind of shared with her, and it it scared her. Mm-hmm. Like, she asked me if it was safe for her to go outside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't just, like, divulge all of that because I we aren't parenting in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're parenting 
style is going to be a little different. You have a different message to your girls than I have to my girls. Yeah. And, you know, all the moms that are rightfully so, like, wiping out Amazon with books, mm-hmm. those books are already on my shelf, you know, and, and they haven't. We already have all the black baby dolls. Mm-hmm. We we already, you know, talk about, like, Kwanzaa as part of our lives. And, you know, like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. just... My approach isn't a lot different than it was in yeah. February. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the difference is, is that your girls and you will look at people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and see your kids. Yeah. They'll see themselves. Right. Where um, my daughters will not. Mm-hmm. You know, in you know, the whole thing, you know, a lot there have been a lot of memes and stuff on Facebook. You know that George Floyd called out for his mama. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's like, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I respond to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every mother in yeah. the world, yeah, should be responding. Right. To yeah, that. I res- I respond to that so closely. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, it's it's different when that could be yours. Mm-hmm. That could be your child crying yeah. out for you. Yeah, my discussions. Um, with my oldest, my younger two, um, you know, that's something that, that we are trying to counteract is that, um, I don't want them to get to adulthood and not realize that this has been an issue for Mm -hmm. centuries, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I want them to, um, to be aware of it and, They've overheard my husband and I having discussions, right. and and um, like I said, we've had a lot of very difficult and introspective discussions lately. And you know, for my daughter, she asked about it, and we we've explained to her that there is violence happening against people because of the color of their skin, and we've talked about um, how. You know, we believe that God has created all of us in his image. And um, we talk about how, you know, and continuing the same things that we've taught all along of kindness, of loving others, Mm -hmm. um, how we treat others. And I remember in one of these conversations, her saying, why don't people just listen to Martin Luther King Jr.? Because that was her when... They studied the civil rights movement. That was her hero. She just thought, well, this guy, like, he's solved it. And unfortunately, that's not the case. He did a lot. He did a lot. Yes. One of my favorite, I think it was first grade or second grade, and I saved it because I loved it so much. Um, It was a paper that was sent home that my oldest did, and it said, like, what does Martin Luther King Jr. mean to you? And she wrote, he was the best friend. He was the best friend that brown skinned people ever had. <laughs> I was mm. like, that is a right. Like, yes. Like, I love mm. it so much. But he, should, he shouldn't be the last no, best friend. No, yeah, he is. He should yes. not be. Yes. And, yeah. and there are more. There are more. Oh, he yeah. just gets a lot of coverage. Well, yeah. yeah. As yeah. He, rightfully as he yeah. should. Yeah. Well, and I, I hope that in our home, our education doesn't stop. Where, oh, no, no. Yeah. you know, where mm-hmm. that's what she knows about black history right. yeah. in our country. There are people our age mm-hmm. who have not even three generations back 
they can say, you know, my great-great-grandfather was a slave. Oh, yeah. This was not that long ago. Yeah, my conversations with my girls um, have to be more about educating them on what is really happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas I can see why yours would look different because your kids, again, we're talking about being educated in something from the beginning of your life to... For us, we're having to introduce this to them mm-hmm. so that they don't grow up perpetuating the problem. I think if I have like any quote unquote platform that I want to stand on right now, like I want to talk to my non-black mother friends and I want to say that, yes, if you want to protest, protest. If you want to email your representatives, do that. If you want to put signs in your yard, if you want to attend meetings and watch videos and read books and all those things, please do that. But, like, I really want you to buy skin color crayons and skin color construction paper Mm -hmm. for your kids because there is this type of systemic and systematic racism that occurs of just that black is not normal, that black isn't regular. And that does so much to keep fueling a us and them mentality, that there's something different between us, that there could be something less than between us, and that we are not the same. Um, I know I've said it a thousand times, but it tells my daughter a story when she goes down the Barbie aisle and she only sees maybe three dolls that look like her, Mm -hmm. but it tells her white best friend the same damn story. And it continues to perpetuate that white is normal. White is regular. White is our status quo. And anything different than that is other and should be treated that way. That's why we even did the episode in January, like talking about these things. Like these are real ways that mothers, you know, have art in your home that reflects a variety of people, Mm -hmm. right? You know, put that photo in your playroom of the black ballerina. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like there are so many great like black artists. Like it's more than just having a book about Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King in your library, which you should. Mm -hmm. And I love Martin's Big Words. It's one of my favorite books. But you need to have books about potty training and, you know, fairies that also have black people pictured in them. We are maybe at this point in our lives having to educate ourselves that this has been an issue. Mm -hmm. Our children should be educated from the time that they're born that this is not an issue, that this should not be an issue. Mm. And so I think you're right, starting them young to see that the color of your skin does not make you other. Yeah, and you shouldn't be scared of a black person. You shouldn't be suspicious of a black person. Like my kids already know that because they're black people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but I I need all of their white friends to think the same thing. You know, because I am in that place of, sadly, this is not new to me, but 
more real to me than it's ever been. Yeah, and there's no shame in that. No, and I think that we need to be honest with ourselves that that's the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd much rather you come mm-hmm. to it today than next right? year. Yes, I would. Yeah, absolutely. And so there is... Um, it's, I just don't have words, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have words. And I think, I think that the reason I feel speechless is one, because I'm hurting for my friends. I'm hurting that there are people that are living like this. And two, because I feel helpless to change it. But you can change it. Mm-hmm. Like, but the way to change it isn't some big, that's what I think, like, it feels like a big problem. So we feel like we need to have, we need to take a big action, right? And so I, so going to protest feels like a big action. Mm -hmm. And I am not against protesting. I, I really am not at all. But I'm here to tell you that. Filling your home with normalizing people of color Mm -hmm. is just a big of an action. Okay, so I want to tell you one story of one very small conversation I had with a white friend during all of this. And, um, you know, she very bravely asked me, and I appreciated the conversation very much. And I'm so thankful that she's thinking through these things. And so she said, okay. Here was the situation that happened this morning. I just want to ask you about it, you know. So she said her son was trying to, and they're all white, was trying to explain like a friend of his to her, like a schoolmate, a classmate, and was saying his name and all that stuff. And she was like, like, who are you talking about? You know, like, I'm not sure. Like, who was it? And she was like, well, you know, what does he look like? And so... He identified him by a few things, but one of those was he had brown skin. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. Like, he knows this brown skin language and this kind of this certain language because his mom has talked about that and they're friends with my kids, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, like they kind of have it. And, you know, it wasn't anything. So she said, okay, so he said and, de- and described this kid as having brown skin, like, should I have told him not to do that? Should I have stopped and corrected him and not just be, like, depicting him as having brown skin? It made her feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I'm so happy he described him as having brown skin mm-hmm. because brown skin is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful thing to identify somebody by. The color of their skin is beautiful. Hair, like, there's so much variety. It's wonderful. The problem is, is that whenever you are describing a white boy, you didn't identify him as having light skin, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the problem because you have just then categorized boys as being white, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to define them as white skin because that's the status quo. Mm -hmm. So if it's other or different, then we'll identify him by his skin tone. Right. So the the problem is the opposite problem. And we had a little conversation, too, about like particularly I'm a Gen Xer. Like I think our generation, we were taught 
Not to mention skin color. That you don't see color. Right. You're you colorblind. Right. You don't say mm-hmm. that. And I think in some instances, it was, I think it was a reaction to our grandparents, maybe overt racism, mm-hmm. than our parents who lived through the civil rights movement trying to do something good of saying, yeah. we don't need to identify him. He's just a boy. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't need to identify him by the color. Yeah. And, but it didn't have the intended hope, right? Of, well, what we really should do is celebrate everybody's skin color. And in mm-hmm. our home, we do describe people as white. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll be, I'll be like, we have a few Olivias we know. Mm-hmm. And Anne will be like, no, the Olivia that has light skin or the Olivia that has dark skin. Like, that's, you know, yeah. and that's 100% okay, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's this systematic racism of like white being the. Mm-hmm. preferred race. Mm-hmm. It's the normal race. Yeah. It's the regular race, you know. And I was like, you will do your son a service by starting to, in those situations, give him an option. Does he have white skin or dark skin? You know, and, mm-hmm. and we in our home don't even use a lot of like white and black necessarily because, you know, your children aren't black, Mm-hmm. But they're not white, mm-hmm. you know, like in those like white and black is sort of like put into these category categories of like Caucasian mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of what African-American, you know, which yeah. even that like they may not be from Africa. Mm-hmm. They may not actually be African-American, you know. So yeah. we use dark skin, brown skin. Like we try to be like a little bit more descriptive, you know, mm-hmm. about it that actually matches the color they are. Yeah. You know, so my kids may very well call your daughter's brown skinned. Mm-hmm. Right, because yeah, their melatonin's a little darker. They yeah. are. They have brown skin. They, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that whole like I don't see color thing comes from this place of like, well, in order to be polite, we don't mention things that are right. other or different. Right. But or what's uncomfortable. unpolite about dark skin? Like, yeah. why is it unpolite? Why is that an other? Why is that something that we're trying to pretend doesn't exist so mm-hmm. that, you know? Yeah. And you're right. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it the other way, though, of like, if we're only describing people by the color of their skin when they have dark skin, mm-hmm. right? and then we are just Right. doing what you're saying. We're saying, yeah. you but know, we, that we do white that, is normal. And I say we, I'm saying white people. Yeah. We do that with everything. Oh, here's your baby doll. And here's your black baby doll. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. the white one's normal. The other one who has dark skin is black. Mm-hmm. Well, here's your action figures. Oh, here's your black one. And I'm not saying that you never have a white doll again. No, but you, you know, should have a little bit of everything absolutely. so that we your have. home reflects the world that we live in. Yeah. So one of the things that I struggle with is I don't want to, in becoming a black ally, mm-hmm. right, I don't want to come across as a white savior. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. garbage and that's not, that's not what I want to be. That's not what I intend to be. I don't see them as weaker and I need to rescue them. You know, um, I don't want to come across that way. And so I think in my caution of not wanting to cross the line of being offensive rather than helpful. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I worry about things like buying black Barbie dolls. Because, and and I fully agree with and understand, like, 
yes, I want my children Mm -hmm. to have a home that looks like the world, right? I am fully on board with that. But in going and buying things specifically because I want to add diversity to my home, there is a part of me that's uncomfortable with the idea of like buying black dolls as a white woman. And I worry that that's going to portray that's going to portray something to the black community that I am not looking to portray, you know? Mm-hmm. I really challenge that idea. It's revealing what we're comfortable with and what we're not comfortable with. But it's it's the same type of thing that, you know, I had a friend who bought Anna Saint a black Barbie doll for birthday party, and she had to come to me and say, is it okay? We, we bought her a black doll. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, you know, but I think it just reveals that we are not as comfortable with it still, Mm -hmm. right? You're not as comfortable with it still because you're not really sure what you should do or not do. Yeah. And so like the whole reality that that's even a dilemma that you face Mm -hmm. just shows us that we've got a lot more ways to go because black dolls still aren't really normal Mm -hmm. yet to you. Yeah. 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 And and it's good to talk about it and it's great to like admit that. But like you put the cicadas in your home to make your kiddo okay with them, mm-hmm. just buy a black doll. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it's a fun surprise. You know, I do not know everything about this topic. Um I only I only know 10 years worth and I still have a ton to learn about what it means to be a mother of a black girl, black girls in our world today. And um, I can only like experience and understand these different levels of racism as I encounter them, like when my kids do. Like, and it's always going to be as like a mom and not as it happening to me. I am still learning even in simple areas like that, you know, all the way up to like super, super hard things. So let's keep bringing it up in the podcast. And, you know, I'm going to try to keep sharing things that I learn and mistakes and ways I'm ignorant as we keep parenting. As always, visit fwmoms.com. To see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. Fort Worth Moms.